here's the second part of my discussion with Ryan Fitzpatrick about The Legend of Zelda. Uh, please enjoy. And if you haven't heard the first part yet, if you look back, uh, last week's podcast uh, is the first part of this discussion that we're going to be kicking into. This is the end of, I say, a two-part series on The Legend of Zelda. Later on, when the Tears of the Kingdom game come out, comes out, uh, me and Ryan will get back together and we'll discuss that in a kind of a later continuation of the series. So, uh, without further ado, take a listen. When you begin to kind of see behind the curtain a little bit, you're like, oh, here's how these game systems work. And it begins to, it, it changes how you engage with the game. And I'm finding that in my playthrough of, like my new playthrough of Breath of the Wild, where I made all these decisions. It was like, uh, okay, I'm going to get all the shrines this time. Um, I'm going, and I'm going to like play as many shrines as I can before I do the, the, the beasts and i'm gonna do the beasts in this specific order partly it's partly reverse the order that i did the first time i played the game and partly because like i refuse to do the camel anything other than last because the game world escalates as soon as you start beating them right you get the annoying yiga guys who start showing up way more often sure um so like it's interesting that like I've totally changed my playstyle based on the fact that like I learned all this stuff about how the game mechanics work. Whereas the first playthrough I was like, "Oh my god, I don't know what's what what there's a hundred bats in a swarm. What's that off in the distance? Is that a fucking dragon?" Like yeah, it was way right? more about like finding things and being surprised and um it's interesting yeah, it's, how yeah. I I feel like I'm still in that moment like because like the other day so what i've been doing lately like i say i've just gone back i haven't played the game for a year or so now yeah but i went back to it uh just to kind of you know i always think about going back to it and playing more and then i kind of went back to it to sort of think okay well you know what am i going to do next kind of thing and what i've just been doing is i'll just there's this you know in the version i've got i think i've got some dlc or something where you can press yeah. a button and you can see like where you've been on the map it's like the last hundred hours or something of where you've been on the map. So it's not necessarily yeah. everything. It's like mostly what you've been doing. And um, it literally draws a line on the map of where you've been. And so I'll just put, turn that on and I'll go to a place I haven't been. Or I haven't been in the last hundred hours in any case. And then um, I'll just go check out what's what's over there. Yeah. And it's always startling to me what's over there. You know, like it'll be like endless nothing. And then all of a sudden, like something either large or small or weird or interesting. Like the other day I was, um, I was just kind of kicking around in some area and I found like this weird little, it's almost like a little Island, but though all it is is like a little circular ring with a pool and inside okay. the pool is a, uh, inside the pool is a treasure chest mm. and there's nothing really in the treasure chest, but the reason it's there is that it's going to draw lightning to it. And then when the lightning comes, it like kills everything in the pool. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, it, 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 and I don't know if there's something else going on 
or some other thing I'm supposed to do with this chest. Uh, but it's just like, it's such an interesting little tidbit like yeah. of the world, you know, like things like that to, are always, it's just very interesting to me, you know? And, and uh, one of the great things about that game in particular is the way it just has these kind of rules of like this thing interacts with this thing. And so yeah. you can just like almost, you know, figure out how to do certain things based on that. Like if it's raining, well, then this is the true, if it, you know, if it's, if it's not rain, if it's, uh, you know, if you, again, if you got metal during a lightning strike, you have to take your sword off, you have to take your shield off, you know, or yeah. it's going to start lightning you. But then maybe you want to throw your sword into a pool, then it'll kill the fish in the pool. You can collect the fish, you know, like there's all sorts of weird and interesting like aspects to that. Like, so, or like if you're hunting in a cold region and you just leave the, if you just leave the, meat before you pick it up it'll freeze and mm. that's a different kind of meat now yeah you know, like i found like that kind of part that those aspects of the game where the interactivity of the environment with other aspects in the environment i forget the technical term for it but it's it, it's a really an inventive approach yeah and it's something that at least for me is new in a zelda game in that yeah. particular game but I can see like where it kind of harkens back to that whole, you know, there's a secret on every screen kind of yeah. um, ethos. Well, and it breaks the kind of lock and key logic of uh, it's about, like this interactivity rather than like a kind of lock and key like way of designing the game, which is very much like what the old school dungeons would be. Yeah. And, and, and at the same time, Again, that's something I used to I love about these games that you would have these moments. The dungeons are actually are almost a third type of game inside the game. As you, yeah. actually, I never really thought about it too much, but it, there's a way in which the dungeons are kind of their own little games. Yeah, uh, and they're very much constructed in this kind of clockwork manner where you really are solving puzzles to advance. Um, I was gonna yeah, say. I was going to say, like, if anybody's listening to this and they're really interested in, like, the, the dungeon design and the kind of lock and key thing, there's a really great YouTube series uh, by this uh, YouTube creator, Game Maker's Toolkit. And he did a whole series, like, about, like, the different Zelda games and the way the dungeons change and get more or less linear and the different types of dungeons there are. He also has a really great series on Metroidvanias, too, and the, like, because those are also a kind of lock and key game. Yeah, but it's a good way to to put it. Like in Zelda, you almost get in the Zelda series, depending on the game. But yeah, broadly speaking, you almost get like the best parts of a Metroidvania in those dungeons. Yeah, like they almost become Metroidvanias inside the dungeons in some many respects. Like they're yeah. they're a little encapsulated, and and often, at least traditionally, in the older Zelda games, they would design in each of those dungeons, you would get a a new item. And then that dungeon would be constructed around the abilities that you gained by getting the item. Yeah. Um, and so there was a real, um, again, it, it almost is a quality that started to become associated more with Metroid and Castlevania than yeah. Zelda per se. But in some ways it really starts in Zelda. Uh, that well, it, the, it seems to me at least, you know, maybe I'm missing something, but. Well, the problem with the Zelda, the way the Zelda does it, and it becomes really apparent in a game like, uh, Twilight Princess, where the items that you pick up in the dungeon are so specialized that they're really interesting in the dungeon that you find them in, because the dungeon is built around puzzles using that item, and then completely useless afterward. 
um i'm thinking of like there's the spinner disc in the desert dungeon mm. um yeah, there's yeah. the the rod that lets you control statues and the the dungeon that you're in like uh has lots of those statues and you have to lead a statue through the dungeon and and then you never use it again really outside of that dungeon sure whereas yeah. whereas in a metroidvania like um yeah the whole game changes yeah <laughs> mm -hmm. and you start to unlock new areas entirely which again it technically is something that you do see in zelda others like in zelda link to the past you see that more like it has yeah. more of that metrovania structure where you get this glove you can pick up this rock and now you can go to this area yeah you know right like it has, so it has those kind of metrovania elements even though it's not a 2d platformer yeah um but uh it, it is you're you're right it is something that kind of becomes more a hallmark of the dungeons uh themselves than anything else yeah by the time you get uh, into the later 3d games when i think that's a problem of like like in the later 3d games they have to invent they have to surprise you with the items they can't just like because it gets predictable oh this is the dungeon where i get the bow and arrow this is the dungeon where i get the hook shot this is the and so you keep encountering the same kinds of puzzles because there's only so much they can do with a hook shot. Yeah, sure. And then also, um, but you also have their other problem where, you know, when my complaint about Breath of the Wild, I have two big complaints, which is one, I wish there were more clockwork style dungeons in it. Again, like, I, I don't necessarily, I, I liked being able to stumble across some of them that you mm -hmm. didn't have to do. Like I remember there's, I forget all of a sudden, but there's one where it's like labyrinth, but you don't have to actually ever play it. Um, I thought that was just a highlight of the game for me, you know? Mm. Um, but, uh, and I wish there was more stuff like that. Maybe there is, and I just haven't found it yet though. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's maybe a premature complaint, but, um, but as a common complaint, you know, but my biggest complaint uh, about the game is uh, again, otherwise Breath of the Wild is probably one of my top five games of all time. So, you know, this is a mod to say I've got these big complaints. Uh, but but I really dislike the fact that the Master Sword is not a good weapon. You know, it's like the only value of the Master Sword is that it doesn't um, is, is that it, you know, I mean, it's not even a power. The, it, traditionally, that would be, it's so hard to get it. And then it's, you know, the most powerful item in the game. Yeah. Or, you know, maybe there's some one other sword you can get that's better or something. But like, there's basically like, it's the most powerful or the second most powerful weapon in the game, typically. And it has like all these, you know, this typically is there's some new ability to unlock with it or something as well. But in Zelda Breath of the Wild, it's literally like, it's it's got like it's not a terrible sword it's like i think does 30 damage but i mean a lot of things will do twice that yeah uh and then it doesn't break but it'll just kind of become inactive you, it goes down to like it might as well have broken um because you can't do damage with it anymore um you know for until it kind of charges back up so it's like i barely use like the fact that i work so hard to get it <laughs> Yeah, and then I barely even you want to use it. Uh, to me, is like a real weakness of that game, particularly when historically in Zelda, the the sword was so tied to the story. Yeah, um, and it's so disconnected from the story in Breath of the Wild that you don't even have to get it. 
Yeah. I don't believe so. Maybe I'm incorrect, but I, I don't believe you actually have to get it to beat the game. Cause I no, don't think people, don't. cause people can, you know, cause people go beat the game without even going to get it. So okay, yeah, cause you can't get it unless you have so many hearts. Right. So then a lot of people yeah. will just beat the whole game without even going near it, which, you know, is fine as far as it is. It's on some ways a good thing about the game, but I just, the fact that I chose to go get it and then, you know, uh, did all the things I had to do to get it. Yeah. And then I don't even want to use it after that point. You know, yeah. it to me is a real, that's like the biggest complaint I have about the game. No, I can see that. And, and that's really like a narrative complaint. Like <clears throat> yes. I think it would have been, I think it would have been interesting if they, it's one of those things where they have to have the master sword in the game because it's a Zelda game. Right. I think the game would actually be more interesting if it didn't have the master sword or well, if it was so hard to get that it, or if it was game breaking but like like extremely hard to get yeah right there's yeah exactly or 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 even if they just had a better explanation as to why it sucks you know <laughs> yeah you're right it, it 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 sort of felt obligatory that it's in the game and then also you know but but if it's going to be in the game it might as well it should be game breaking or something like yeah. that you know it just should have some other something going on yeah. with it it just seems like, like they kind of you get it and then whatever you go i think it. like the because the only thing that it's really useful guardian like things is it i mean well because it doubles the arrows it, it, are better for that but like because i feel like this is getting too in the you're weeds, right but you like you fire an arrow and in it's into its eye <laughs> and then you use the master sword because the master sword doubles in strength against the guardians it's true like it's 60 but at instead same time. of 30 um everyone stopped listening as soon as they I heard know, me right? like well <laughs> well let me ask the fundamental question i think because given that this is a game series yeah where the games are very different yeah I mean, they have certain similarities but fundamentally like you know game to game they're they're often quite different by this point and given that there's ones that you know we we just don't even like uh and aspects of ones we do like that we dislike why is it that we're so obsessed with legend of zelda <laughs> you know have you ever really thought to yourself like why am i so obsessed with this game like yeah i don't even like half of them um, i don't even like half of them and like i literally bought a console to play zelda yeah and i hadn't played it for like since the wii came out yeah um and and really, if you look closely, I had only played four Zelda games in my life. Yeah. Prior to the Switch Breath of the Wild, and I didn't even like the second one very much. Yeah. So why am I obsessed with Legend of Zelda? You know, I think there's probably a like for me at least there's a few reasons. One is, it's one of the few long running series where you can see the people designing the game actually taking risks. Like, it's not like a cookie cutter thing. Like, like there are games that are kind of more cookie cutter than others. But like, it's a game where you can see that, like, the designers making big swings. Um, I think like the other the other game series really um, is Mario that does that really consistently. I think we could probably imagine other ones. But I know like, like when I look at like the game series that everyone seems to be obsessed with over the last decade, which is Dark Souls or the From Software games, those games all like 
are iterating like on a very specific thing and so like there's like a i'm probably gonna draw ire for dismissing them like that because even though i think they're very interesting well, i don't think that's dismissive per se but um, it is true though right yeah like, you, and that's as you say how most of these games work most games yeah people forget what a game is what a game yeah. is is that there is a game mechanic yeah uh right that the uh that that is the game yeah um, and then you can have all this narrative. You can ha not have narrative. You can have all this other stuff. But yeah. like the fundamental, what the game is, is a mechanic. Yeah. And so it makes sense for a successful game series to iterate on the mechanic because there is a level at which, <clears throat> if you look at a series like Zelda or Super Mario, although yeah. those characters are the same, the game is actually not the same game. Yeah. Like Super Mario One and Super Mario, like. Uh, What's the one I was playing the other day? Uh, Bowser's Fury. Like they are not the same game. Yeah, they have some shared mechanics. Not really. And, they have, and there's like an there's iterative a handful. history. Yeah, it's like the, you jump on things. Like that's basically yeah. the shared mechanic. And there's a narrative history and a, you know, uh, there's there's a continuity in a manner of speaking. Yeah, but. It, but well, but but actually, there really isn't that much continuity, even story wise. Like Zelda will just literally tell the same story again and again and barely yeah. even attempt to tie it together yeah you know once in a while they'll tie the story together but for the most part you know it's like you know marvel comics you know yeah. just there is no consistencies to that to yeah. that story anymore and it, it, it's interesting though as you say it's more normal and more sensible for a game yeah. to just do iterations on its core mechanics like dark souls yeah uh, and from soft's games do like you know metroid in many ways does and so on i, I mean that's what it, i mean yeah why why when you depart from the game mechanics so extremely that you know from like link to the past all the way to jump to breath of the wild like yeah it's just it's literally not the same game on many technical yeah. levels although we I, call them both zelda yeah but this is the other side of it because i think for folks <laughs> like there's something fundamental about like whatever the first zelda game you play that you're looking for another hit of it and if they give you the hit in the exact same way you're not going to get it i know for me it's like it's the kind of roaming exploration of zelda one it's the kind of clockworks of link to the past it's the the feeling of like hitting an impasse that I first felt like in a way I enjoyed in Ocarina of Time with the water dungeon that everyone hated but secretly loves um, and it's like the feeling of like boundlessness that I got from like mm -hmm. Wind Waker and that I get again from Breath of the Wild so there's like like there's different kind of feelings that are attached to like certain of those game mechanics and i think like and zelda mixes enough of them in interesting ways that i think that for me that's where the obsession is maybe this is a good comparison in some ways to maybe there's a way in which from softs and games and the zelda series are linked in that it is I mean, Zelda, I think this is true also from Soft Souls-like games. 
which is that um, in Zelda, like there's a level at which I, because of the risks and because of like, you know, there being like a handful of um, things I just really loved about yeah. each of these different games. There's just this level at which for whatever reason, rightly or wrongly, like I trust that they are trying there they will make a good game <laughs> yeah like and maybe i'm wrong or disappointed from time to time at certain aspects of it or even just in whole games um but for the most part like i trust that they're just not trying to churn out another one yeah you know like uh i you know like it really i mean the, the, it, it, when i've been really upset uh with zelda like i i really hated cadence of hyrule but it's actually not a Zelda game. Like it's one. Yeah. There's a couple of like Zeldas where they've kind of skinned the character into this other game, you know. And um, those have always been very disappointing to me. Um, and partly it's because I just didn't trust them <laughs> the way I trust. Like I trust Nintendo to deliver me a good Zelda game. Yeah. You know, like, and maybe they're going to delay it for eighty years. And maybe they're going to build it and throw it away and never tell me. Uh, but like, you know, I just, there's a fundamental level at which I trust Nintendo to at least deliver on Mario and Zelda. Yeah. You know, I don't know how much, how far I can trust Nintendo, <laughs> but I, 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 I believe in that they have the best interests of Zelda and Mario at heart. Yeah. If that makes sense. It's weird. Like it's a weird thing to say, but I think, I, I think it's, it's, it's very similar in some ways to like, I'm not a big, I'm not really big into the Souls games simply because I haven't had time to really dig into them seriously. Um, They seem like they're tailor made for me, except for the difficulty leveling. That's where I'm at too. Like I love watching other people play them. Elden Ring looks like them. Elden Ring looks like, like if that game ever goes on sale, (laughs) I'll probably try it and then play like three hours and then go. I just I own them all, Ryan, and I've played maybe one hour total of of all of them combined um and i've got like but i bought multiple like hardcover collector's editions books about them and things yeah. like i'm kind of obsessed with them even though i barely played them and uh, but people who are more players than i am I, what i hear all the time is the same sort of enthusiasm that i have for zelda for some of the same reasons like they just there's a level at which they just fundamentally trust FromSoft to deliver them not only another great game, but one yeah. that's better than the one before, as opposed to one that's worse, which yeah. is so often what you get in series. Yeah. Right. You know, there's exceptions, of course, but like for the most part, what you get in a franchise is like another one that isn't quite as good as the one that came before. Whereas yeah. like maybe, I mean, to me, it's hard. Again, I still feel like Zelda 3 uh, is the best game for me. But there's a le- I I still but I feel like they keep trying to beat it. Yeah, you know, which I don't think you can always say uh, for creative teams necessarily at that corporate level. Like maybe yeah. individual artists or small indie teams kind of have that goal. And but at the corporate level, where you're dealing with a massive franchise, rarely do they take those risks so consistently as your pointing out we see in the zelda franchise yeah i'm not always a big fan but like i i I admire that approach in many respects 
maybe I'm romanticizing it all based I mean, on just having grown up with, and I, it was like a game that first impressed me when I was a kid. And so I just nostalgically magnetized to it, but uh, there's just, I mean, I feel like that's less the case than it might be otherwise for the simple reason that there isn't as strong a storyline uh, to gravitate towards. Like the story of Zelda is very simple and yeah. alchemical um, to the point where, you know, there's really not much you can do with the story. And so they have to keep departing from it. So yeah. I feel like for that reason, I just feel like I'm not as attached to it nostalgically as I might be attached to like stories from my childhood. I don't, I never really thought of Zelda as having a great story or one that really resonated with me in any particular way. Well, it's the minute, it's the minute to minute story <laughs> of your actual gameplay, right? Yeah, exactly. Like that's what you, that's what you're attached to. It's that time that you figured out whatever puzzle or like, uh, for me, it's like with Zelda one, it's like my memory of the map, like the map is burned into like, burned into my memory crowding out you know things that might actually be useful to me <laughs> yeah right man and the and the the music too i just have running on a loop in my head 24 7 i just yeah and like both songs but, from zelda one yeah both of the two <laughs> yeah but it, it's um anyway what let me ask you what you're kind of hoping for from tear for tears from the kingdom i haven't really paid too much attention to it i gotta admit i mean there's not a lot of information about it well they've released like next to nothing i think they know that like the game is good they i think they know (laughs) that they don't have to tell anybody anything about it because they've released like three or four trailers two of which like give no information this one that they recently released like has that had the most stuff in it so um Mm -hmm. so what i'm hoping for so number one i'm hoping to be surprised uh which is the my number one worry is like i won't because they're using the same map um yeah and like i believe they're adding a level in the sky to it it seems like and i I think a level and a level underground that's what it seems like i mean again we're speculating here at this point in time when you're listening to this you might know better than us uh, if you're in the future, but uh, you're in the future uh, and it's that is what it seems like, it. right? Um, but I mean, that's fine by me, I'm happy with that. Yeah, uh, I trust I trust them to even if they're going to literally reuse the same map, I trust them to like tweak it, yeah, or like you know, layer in some stuff I haven't found yet, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. Plus, I, I believe that they're adding these kind of two levels of it, yeah. But I mean, I don't know, so I'm I, I'm worried that because they're using the same map that like a lot of it will be will feel old hat. Although like literally I'm playing through Breath of the Wild for the second time and and having a great time playing it. So uh, it couldn't hurt to play through Breath of the Wild third time, even if it's like really similar. Um, I'm worried that or I'm hoping that there is some like dungeon activity, although maybe I'm like less hung up on that than like other people are i don't need them to be like the second coming of um of like the dungeons from ocarina of time or twilight princess or anything like that i'm not expecting that i don't even necessarily want that um 
but um but i like something like some kind of some more density is it the camel beast that where you're turning it around i'm trying yeah yeah so i that was the the level that the most to me felt like like an old school zelda dungeon and it was you know to the point where i got started to get very frustrated with it. yeah <laughs> i i believe i looked it that, up at it's one that point. water dungeon feeling where it's like i don't understand i'm doing things but i don't <laughs> understand why it's not progressing because the puzzle isn't like a room to room whatever the puzzle mm-hmm. is like you have to solve this huge thing i loved it and i thought it was brilliant but i think i also like i'm the kind of guy who at a certain point i'll just go look it up yeah <laughs> Cause I just am not as invested in, I got other things to do in my life, you know? Yeah. But, um, but like, I, I kind of wanted, I, I, I just wanted, I, I just felt like, okay, you're proving to me, you can do this. Just give me a little bit more of it, you know? Yeah. And then um, make it optional yeah. where I don't have to do it per se. Uh, yeah. So I'm kind of hope that's my kind of hope. It's like I kind of want, a bit more dungeon action, but I also kind of would like maybe like one of the things I like about the shrines in the Breath of the Wild is, you know, so, some of them you just fight a monster and you're done. Yeah. Other ones you got a little bit of a puzzle. It's small or sometimes they're larger. Yeah. But I like, um, I like, you know, how I'm not always forced to do the big puzzles. Like if I'm really having a hard time yeah. with the puzzle, I can come back to it later. I'm not forced to do it to progress per se. Um, but uh you know, what do you think of the speculation that a lot of people have based on the last trailer that they yeah. put out? A lot of people are speculating because of like one of the lines in there that you're gonna end up at some point being able to um control Zelda as a playable character. Now I don't know if that's a reasonable thing for people to um, expect based on this trailer, I'm not sure that I hundred percent, I kind of see what they're basing that speculation on, but I don't a hundred percent understand why they think that based on the trailer. Like I kind of 90, 80% understand it. It's what what do you think about that idea? It's a hundred percent copium, but um, like, it's not going to happen. I can't imagine it would, but um I, the only way that, I could see them doing I, it without kind of breaking the narrative DNA of Breath of the Wild is if at the beginning of the game you get to choose, and then you play the whole. You have to play the whole game as either Link or Zelda, but otherwise I can't there'd imagine have to be, that though. Otherwise, to like switch, uh, you would have to either be able to actively switch, or there'd have to be some narrative linearity to the game. Yeah, or at least for that section or something, right? Yeah, I know people. I mean, the other thing that is interesting about Zelda is the side of the idea of Link as a silent, yeah, character. You know, for the like, I, I forget who it was, but someone on Twitter, I think it was Sam Sykes, maybe was making somebody was making a joke about this at one point, where it's like, imagine a man he comes to your town, he doesn't say anything, he just smashes your pots. <laughs> you know, he never speaks. You know, and like <laughs> just the psycho, the psychotic nature of like. Uh, this person who's, you know, the hero, yeah, uh, you know, being kind of just not unspeakingly doing all these things, yeah, as he like stares at you. Uh, it, it's a funny idea, but at the same time, there's this level at which it it really um 
has become a hallmark of the games like that yeah. link never responds although if i remember right didn't they have wasn't there a moment in Sagawa's story where he does speak i can't remember 100 no i don't think so yeah i i feel like there is i think there's moments throughout the games where it's like the implication is that he said something but you never hear what he says yeah it was something like that i remember i remember distinctly something but it was not like the normal but then the way zelda normally works is you literally like walk up to a guy you press the button as if you were going to speak to him and then he just says something to you you know you don't and and he carries on a one-sided conversation like they tell you something and then you go away and do it or whatever yeah so I always thought that was a is it's a hallmark of the games. This very curious aspect of it. I mean, yeah. I know that I've heard a lot of uh, people surmising that this is a way that care you you know the the player is able to insert themselves or attach themselves to the character. You know, they're not saying something that you wouldn't say. I don't know how much credence I give that idea myself, um, but I've always have thought it was an interesting aspect of the games that you know it, it's it's. It's something you don't really notice until you start to think about it. Yeah. But it is something that, you know, really has become part of the game on a fundamental level. Well, and it's, well, the other thing connected to that is the weirdness of like in every other Zelda game, you name Link. Like Link isn't the, like Link is only the character's name, like in kind of like a general way. You can name, you can name the character anything you want. But because of the voice acting in in Breath of the Wild, Link is Link. Like, Mm -hmm. there is no... And at that point, you might as well have him speak. Because the idea of him not speaking is supposed to be... Oh, so it's so, like... The player can put themselves in Link's shoes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I don't... I mean, I've never 100% understood that argument that it's so that you can put yourself in his shoes, though. I know people always say that. But I've always felt like, well is it really the case that we don't put ourselves in the shoes of a character who speaks or even just like, is there a level at which we're, we feel like we're in his shoes? I mean, we're controlling him. So isn't that enough? You know, I always have kind of felt that was the case, but I don't know, maybe I'm wrong because on the other hand, I've got much more of an attachment to link than I do to other characters. Yeah. You know? Well, and I think to like have a connection to like a character who speaks and has and is a character, like you yeah, would have to, like, you would have to, to link, you would have to role, you would have to like actually role play as them or like sure. have a they would have to be similar to you, like. But I've I found myself in some like open world games like, like, like I remember playing The Witcher Three, and and thinking like going through these like romance storylines i'm not exactly a very romantic person but here i am like role-playing as Geralt, Geralt the witcher the super horn dog because that's what i think the character is yeah, is yeah. doing sure no it makes sense yeah i mean i've always thought it was an interesting aspect of link that you know you don't have again like it's it's a weird series in that you have these rich worlds that are awash in these um these little mini stories and this large story and then you're going through this epic you know save the world story but really at the same time like the story is simple yeah um it's just it's often a retread of the earlier earlier game story even when the gameplay is not a retread yeah uh 
And then you have this character who is effectively devoid of all dimensions. Yeah. Uh, and has no character interiority. Like, does L- Link make jokes? <laughs> you know, like, no, he just what stares is he even dumbly he just stares like just... <laughs> silently and like all he does is um and he doesn't even necessarily like we don't even know if he's brave. We don't know his if he has a motivation. He just is sort of moving I mean, forward. He, he's only brave. Uh, he's only brave if the player is brave. Yeah, it's interesting. Like he, he's, I just, I find it such a fascinating series in so many ways. But I think in some ways, what almost explains its popularity to me and its durability to me is the way that it just doesn't participate in things of the moment. Yeah. You know, like it just sort of is doing what it does. And like, you know, in, in a period, for example, when um, we have these open world games that are very invested in, you know, telling a story that has a complex character making difficult choices, you know, we instead now we get an open world game where the character has no interiority. We don't know why he's there or what he's doing. Yeah. Um, he just happens to be moving forward for no apparent reason, but he could also just stop moving forward. <laughs> you know, like it's, that might be, that might be the only, <laughs> like thinking narratively, that might be the reason why Breath of the Wild, why Zelda is, was the series that was able to like break the kind of like, like the the formal concerns of like the Ubisoft style map game, right? Like Assassin's Creed or whatever, sure. where you have this huge map that you use hardly any of, uh, because the character has to go on a specific journey from one place to another. Whereas Link is is told like, well, eventually you'll have to go beat Ganon, but until then, until you're strong, you feel strong enough to go do it. Here's your buffet table of possibilities, right? And the only mm-hmm. game that I've seen that's done that, um, and arguably from what I've seen, uh, maybe done it better, is Elden Ring, where you're playing another kind of like player-defined, kind of faceless character. Um, you're given a rough task that's not very clearly explained to you, but like really your your goal is to go out and like sample um sample the world and do stuff yeah um whereas when you play like a specific character in horizon zero dawn or the witcher like there's a there's a narrative path that the designers want you to go on yeah there's a propulsion to it even though you can depart from that path yeah um there still is it just feels like there's a bit more propulsion narratively because your character is defined in, as a, the kind of person who is going to go on this quest and, yeah. and in a way like when i played horizon zero dawn and i'm not doing the main quest i'm always aware that i'm not doing the main quest and that this character would do the main quest yeah <laughs> if, if i was being honest you yeah know, she would continue forward and you know do these things yeah whereas Zelda, like, it's like yeah yeah, why not go bowling Link in want? the mountains? Yeah, why not? It's interesting. Well, uh, this has been really interesting. I'm really curious to chat with you again about Zelda when we've gotten a chance to play Tears of the Kingdom. You know, and yeah. really have either allayed our fears or uh, gained new fears. Hey, I'll um, be I'll be happy as long as because looking at that last trailer, it seemed like there was a lot of like building 
vehicles. I'll be happy if I don't have to build a pickup truck to yeah. go <laughs> haul things across the map. If that doesn't happen, I'll be happy. I'll be happy if I get a sword within the first hour. Like before You'll have a sword an hour within the first up. minute. If I have a sword in the first minute, I will be happy. I don't care what else <laughs> happens. That hour, I got, I swear to God, like that's one of the few hours in my life that I think about what if I had that hour back? <laughs> you I, know, <laughs> I think you need to muscle through the first third of that game. I do then plan it. to, but I don't know. I just feel like I'd be better off playing Elden Ring. No, you would be better off playing Elden Ring. <laughs> you know, you'd understand why Elden Ring and why Breath of the Wild are so good uh, by playing like a shitty game like Skyward Sword. Have you played Elden Ring really? You no, say- I've watched multiple playthroughs. Um, <laughs> See, this is I'm worried. I, I don't want to so spend. I don't want to spend eighty dollars on a game that I might stop playing within an hour. See, I bought the game, and I and now so I've spent eighty dollars on a game I've only played for an hour. Yeah, but I'm still like I got to get back to it. It's just it's hard for me to invest the amount of time. Yeah, I say that. But at the same time, I've spent 120 hours playing Breath of the Wild yeah. after I already beat the damn thing. So I know that that's not true. I just, for some reason, I've just got this mental block. I think the difficulty of it, or at least the belief that I have that it would be too difficult for me. I don't know. Yeah. If there Are these games really as hard as people say, or are they just, you, you're convinced of that before you start playing them? And it's a placebo, reverse placebo effect when you... Mm. You you get um, less healthy as a result of thinking you're going to, you know, do poorly in this world. I'm not sure, but well, maybe maybe after maybe after we play Tears of the Kingdom, we could come back and and try Elden Ring. I think that's a great plan. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's stick to that um, particular plan. Well, thanks for talking to me about Zelda, Ryan. We'll talk more about Zelda in the future, I'm sure. Yeah, for sure. And uh, yeah. I would say keep writing the wrong way, but maybe keep playing, keep playing keep the playing, wrong way. Keep playing the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs>